good. I think that was pretty good. It's, uh, it's some fun times. And, uh, and, you know, as we were just watching that video, and I know you guys saw it up in Merrill, thinking about all things, it's so great because there's always uh, new and exciting things happening. In fact, as a church, we're also celebrating something this week. I don't know if you heard this news, but last weekend, uh, we had about 100 of our young adults down in Bunbury for, you might have seen it on, you know, kind of ESPN.com. You might have seen it on the, the sports shows. But we had 100 people down there. They battle against, I don't know, how many churches were there? 50, 100? Like, uh, thousands. Thousands of churches. <laughs> Sports, events, everything from Scrabble to dodgeball to basketball, netball, AFL nines. And ladies and gentlemen, our young adults brought back the silverware. Let's uh, have a little snapshot. <laughs> Look at this right here at Marowa. I hope you guys are cheering for our young adults. The trophy right here is going to say True North Church 2017 State Youth Games Champion. Congrats to these guys. You can take that. One more hand for them. You know, I, I do always, I mean, we're, we're excited for them. They did an unbelievable job, but I do. It is important to say. One of the things I always say, anybody knows me, is, you know, you just got to remember, winning isn't everything. <laughs> it's the only thing. So, But... <laughs> Just kidding, kidding, I kid. Um, but listen, we're, we're so excited for them. We, we, it was so fun this week. We heard all the, the kind of battle stories of, you know, what was going on down there. Stories from the AFL 9s. The dodgeball grand final on Monday morning. Uh, the final event. And you know, that, was, that victory was secured by only one win uh, out of the whole weekend. So out of dozens of sports and teams, you know, all these things. And you know what's cool about that as well is that every single person, 100 young people or so went down, and, uh, and every single one of those, you know, points that was won on the whole weekend, without any one of them, without any one team, wouldn't have got the victory, and, uh, and wouldn't then be able to text other pastors around the place and <laughs> taunt them. So, uh, anyway, but, but where that segues to... Uh, Momentum, this is what we're thinking about as a church is the reality. We know we will only go as far. This whole idea of momentum, what we're talking about as a church, you know, we, we, uh, we, we actually do believe God's called us to bigger and greater things. That's a, a bit of fun and, and something really cool and we celebrate it. But God is calling us to be a part of some incredible things, some really big things. But the, the truth is we will only move into those when we have each and every person uh, moving together. Momentum is mass times velocity. It's, it's mass. It's every single one of us moving in the same direction. And when we do that, we can see God do some amazing things. And so today, what we're going to think about, because uh, next week is our last week of Momentum. Next week, just so you know, uh, June 18th, Momentum Sunday. We're going to be gathering all in at Warwick Stadium, and uh, just a chance to bring our whole mass, everybody from both our campuses, all our services, we all getting together in one spot saying, hey, Lord, we are your church, and we are up for what you are calling us to. And so love to have you there next week for a special week. As we uh, bring momentum, uh, as we come to our, our last week of this momentum series together. And today, as we kind of prepare for next week, it's a, it's a big week where we will uh, come before God and say, God, this is what I feel you call me to do and how I can be a part of what you're doing at True North. And today, I want to talk to you about what it looks like, what it looks like to play your part in the bigger story God is writing, what it looks like 
Because I believe God invites every one of us. I believe God invites us as a church to be a part of the story he is writing, of what he is doing. And I believe he asks and invites each and every one of us to be a part of what he's doing, to play a unique part that only you can play. I can't play your part, you can't play my part. We can't play each other's parts. Every one of us can only play the part God's given to us. And I want to talk to you today about what that looks like. We're going to look this morning at the story of someone who played her part. We're going to look at the story of a a woman named Esther. And Esther lived in a a unique time. Uh, She had a a, a pretty unique circumstances to start her life. She was a Jewish person living in a time when uh, under the, the, the Persian Empire was ruling. Her parents died. We don't know much exactly about that. And she was raised by a cousin named Mordecai. And she had this kind of amazing situation take place where she essentially won a a beauty pageant where she became now the queen of the Persian Empire. And uh, and, and so it was quite unique. And somehow they didn't know that she was also a a Jewish person. And, And through some circumstances, what ended up happening was Mordecai, this cousin who had raised her, uh, he learns of this plot, uh, that there was this, this man in the palace. His name was Haman. He was a bad guy. When I say Haman, go, oh, oh, you know, Merrily, oh, you know. Now, Haman was a bad guy, and he kind of had some schemes and told the king, you know, I, I think everybody, you know, there's this guy out there, Mordecai. He's not kind of honoring me. He won't kind of bow to me. I think we should just wipe out all his people. We should just get rid of the Jewish people, the people of God. So this guy, Haman, yeah, that's good. That's I said, Meroit, did you? Were you there? Come on. And, uh, and so, so the, this guy, Haman, he's, he, he wants to wipe out. I, I, I know. It, it's like, just makes you feel like that. And so he has this plan to wipe out the Jewish people. The people, he's like, no, if this guy, he's, he's not going to kind of honor me. Well, let's wipe them all out. And he, he convinces the king of this scheme. And literally, then there becomes this entire edict to wipe out the whole of the Jewish people across the empire. And Mordecai hears about this. So Mordecai, the Jewish man who raised Esther, he hears about this story. And, and he's like, oh, I, you know, this is, he, he learns of this plan. And obviously he's, he's in complete mourning. He can't, what's going on here? This is the worst thing that could happen. I mean, this is now a plan to wipe out the people of God. And Mordecai knows that Esther is in the palace. And so he sends word to her and says, you know, Esther, would you look where you are? Would you go to the king? Would you plead for our lives? Would you go to him and just, you know, ask for mercy? And, you know, you're, you're there. You're in the palace. Maybe there's something you could do. Maybe there's a part you could play to actually see this, this, this avoided and to see God bring about a great deliverance. Maybe there's something you could do. And so he sends this message. And I want you to see, uh, we're going to watch how this plays out for Esther and, and, and what it looks like for her to move towards being a part of God's plan. She first gets this message, and we're told that this is kind of her initial reaction in Esther chapter 4.10. She hears the story, and she sends the messenger back to Mordecai, and she says this. She says, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces, they know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, anyone who goes to see the king without the king asking first, Well, the king has but one law, that they be put to death, unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Esther 
sends back to you, says, look, I don't know if you understand how things work in my world. I don't know if you understand the situation that I'm actually in. This is how it works. The king just has this rule. If he doesn't call you, you know, he's kind of a, you know, don't call me, I'll call you kind of guy. You know, and so if he doesn't call you and you just say, hey, I wondered if I could have a minute of your time, the king's kind of got two options. One will say, actually, no, you can't have a minute of my time. I'm going to have you put to death for even asking. You know, that's how the king rolled. Unless the king, but it's possible that the king might go, okay, you want to see me? And he extends the gold scepter, and that's his way of saying, yes, you may come. You may see me, you may come into, you know, my presence. This is how the king rolled. And Esther says, Mordecai, I don't know if you understand, that's the situation I'm in. And I, he hasn't called me in for a while. He hasn't asked me for the last month to come in. If I go to him and I say, hey, king, can I talk to you about something? Hey, king, would it be all right if I just had a few minutes of your time? to?" T-? He could literally have me put to death. That's the world I live in. That's the situation I'm facing. You know, Esther's initial response to being a part of God's plan was what we might call the knee-jerk reaction. And and to be honest, I think it's the kind of reaction most of us often have the moment God invites us to be part of something. We often, it, it triggers something that goes, whoa, 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 I'm not sure if I can be part of this. Do you know one of the things about being a part of the story God is writing and often a part of the great plans that God has is there is often a genuine reality of risk involved. We, we all would love to be part of what God's doing. I mean, who does think, man, I'd love to be a part of what God's doing. But you know what's amazing is more often than not, there is a reality of risk that is involved in it. And often when we hear that risk, our first reaction, you know, for for Esther, I mean, the risk was literally you could lose your life. But do you know anything that you start to follow God into, there will be a risk that is involved. There's a risk in speaking up to someone about your faith. There's a risk in, uh, in saying, you know what, I want to I serve in, in a particular ministry or area. Or I want to start something. I want to do something. Or God's calling me. So anytime God calls you, there's always a risk of what could happen if. And the risk for Esther was, I could lose my life. And it made her initial response be like, I, I'm just not sure I could be part of that. Yeah, I know for momentum, probably there were some of you who felt at the beginning, you know, when we started to talk about, you know, here's where God's calling us. Here's the vision of what he's called us to. Here's what it's going to take. It will take every one of us kind of coming together, seeking God. God, how would you have me give generously into this because we can be a part of what you're doing? I know for many, the initial response would be, well, uh, I'm not sure. There's some real realities that are involved when I have to think about what I'm giving and how my finances are involved. I felt that the first time I got a sense of what God's calls. Oh, I mean, I don't think any of us started this year thinking, I have so much finance and resource sitting around, I'm looking for people to help me find ways to spend and invest it. I just was thinking this year, I just got so much. What could I do with it? And I already, you know, subscribed to NBA League Pass, and I already subscribed to all the things that, no, We all, for every one of us, when it comes to a question of, you know, how could I give into something? Whether it's given my time, whether it's given my talents, whether it's given my treasure, there is always a challenge that comes, what's at stake for me? But Esther, if the story ended there, that's where it would have ended. 
that had been the end of what we knew of, I would have never even heard of Esther. But Esther had someone in her life, Mordecai, who shares with her some incredible wisdom about what it actually looks like to be a part of God's story, of actually what it looks like to, to step into what God's calling you to. Mordecai gets a response and he says back to her these words, contain some of the most famous words in the Old Testament. Mordecai says, Esther, do not think that because you are in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. You know, these words are amazing because contained in them, there's, there's kind of three things I think you see here. We, we, many of us know this incredible phrase of such a time as this. You know, who knows for such a time as this. But I love this whole little uh, picture that Mordecai paints for her because I think it gives incredible insight into what it looks like to be a part of the story God is writing. There's, there's three things I want us to see here that all have to be there if you're going to move past the fear of risk stage and move into the God I'm ready to be a part phase. And the first thing is this. Mordecai got this about being a part of God's story. He got this, that it is always an invitation. To be a part of the story God is writing, just know this. Whatever that part that God asks you to play is, it is always an invitation invitation. And do you know what, what I think is amazing? You know, what Mordecai says to her is, you know, look, you don't have to do this. He says, if you don't, if you keep silent, well, deliverance will come from another place. Mordecai has this incredible faith in God that even in the face of incredible challenges, he knows no matter what, God will deliver and God will come through. Because the story that God is writing is an unstoppable story. God will always provide for his people. He was always going to continue his plan, the plan of the people of God that led all the way to Jesus and then from Jesus onward and outward to, into all eternity. And Mordecai says, look, if, if, if you keep silent, deliverance will come from somewhere else. Do you know, being a part of what God's doing, it's always an invitation it's never compulsion. It's never because God needs you and without you, he could never get the job done. But God has a way of always wanting to invite us to be part of the story he's doing. It's an invitation. You know, sometimes in, in seasons like this, in momentum, and if you're new here, we have some big dreams as church, and I'll be talking more about, you know, things God's we feel calling us to. And one of the realities of that is it, 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 we feel God is inviting us to give generously of our finances into that in this season. And I know sometimes people say, you know, why does the church, why does the church always ask for money? Why do churches ask for money or talk about money? Or, or well, you know, churches always, they need your money. Can I tell you something? We as a church, we never ask for your money. We invite you to be part of what God's doing. I'll never ask you for your money. God doesn't need it, but he invites us to be part of what he is doing. You know, Esther, the, the, the second thing that, that uh, 
Mordecai kind of speaks to her about, I, I think one of the reasons that we miss the invitation, one of the reasons we think sometimes that, you know, God kind of wants something from us instead of for us, is because we miss the opportunity of what God is inviting us into. The second thing I want us to see is that, you know what Mordecai got? Mordecai caught, uh, Mordecai caught, <laughs> Haman! <laughs> well done, well done, I know, yeah. Uh, Mordecai got that what Esther was being invited into was, was actually an opportunity where, where she saw risk and where she saw what could go wrong and where she saw I could lose my life. Mordecai said, this is actually an opportunity. You know what I love that he says? He says, look, you know, it's an invitation. If, if you don't want to be part of this, you know, deliverance will come from somewhere else. God's inviting you to be part of this. But he says to her, looking at these words, he actually says, you know, don't think that you'll, you'll save your life, he says, because here's what will happen. And we'll, we'll put those verses back up. Uh, he says, you know, you, deliverance will come from somewhere else, but I want you to see these words. But you and your father's family will perish. He says, look, you can stay silent. You know, it's an invitation. Deliverance will come from somewhere else. But he says, but if you do, you know, you and your father's family will perish. Do you know what he saw here was that to be part of what God is doing is actually an opportunity to be part of something that matters even more than saving your own life. He says, you know, you and your father's family will perish. There may be one level at which he was saying, you know, don't think that somehow you're not going to be found out or that eventually they will find out who you are. But I think it's really interesting. He doesn't just say, but you, you'll, you'll get caught. You'll lose your life. He says, no, your father's family will perish. He's actually talking to her about, do you realize what the bigger picture of your life is all about? He's, and it, I, you get the feeling that it's almost like Mordecai's like, you know what? Maybe if you stay silent, you won't lose your physical life. You'll have more days that you can count. But it's almost like he's saying, but your life will have lost its meaning and significance. It's almost like he's saying, do you know what, Esther? There is something worse than losing your life or having it cut shorter than you would have liked. And do you know what's worse than having your life cut shorter? is having a life that doesn't count for something. That doesn't matter. He says, you might, but your father's family, the, your, the name of your family will not be remembered. You will have been someone who was in a position to make a difference in the story that God was writing. But because you walked away from it, your name will be gone. Your father's family will be gone. You will actually not have left an impact with your life. Do you know, whenever God invites us to be a part of something, he's actually giving us an opportunity to be part of a story that will matter forever. You know, I love the, the video we watched today. I love just seeing a, a few of the faces of people whose lives have been impacted by this church. And do you know something? The things that we do to impact people's lives make a difference now and into eternity. I remember hearing a quote once that said, you know, the things that we do for ourselves or the things that we buy for ourselves, they tend to die with us. But the things that we do for others and the things that we give for others, they tend to live forever. 
It's like Mordecai was saying to Esther, you might, you might add, you know, some years to your life, but think about what she would have lost. What she could have lost. She could have had a few more years, but without, instead, her name has gone on through the centuries as a picture of what it looks like to be a part of God's story. Do you know in this momentum season, this is the opportunity that I think, you know, God has placed before us. We look as a church and we, as we talked about, you know, over the last five years, we've seen God do some incredible things. Over the last five, six years, our churches, you know, more than doubled in the time when most churches are declining and, and, and struggling. And, and over the last six, seven months even, we've grown significantly. We're seeing God do something special. We're seeing it begin to go forward. And we, we feel like God's given us a big dream for the future, that actually we could be a part of a wider renewal of seeing God's church go forward. That actually 10 years from now, the story wouldn't be, look what happened in us over the last 10 years, but look how we've been part of the bigger story. It's not that 10 years now we've gotten bigger or larger, but the 10 years now the church of Jesus Christ has gotten bigger and larger. Because of how we stepped into the things that he was calling us to. We think there's a part that he's calling us to play in that. We think we could be a, a part of seeing God do some amazing things in this day. And we know that this year where he's placed us, that over the next 12 months, if we could do a couple key things, if we could stretch towards a couple Three goals that are not just, hey, if we just keep doing what we're doing, but if we said, no, we're going forward with momentum, that if we leaned into these areas, we would position ourselves to see God do even greater things uh, in the future. Those kind of three key initiatives that won over this next year, if we gave generously to solidify a solid financial foundation so that as opportunities arise in the future, we're positioned to grab them. That if we gave generously over this next year, that we could resource the rapid growth we've been experiencing by being able to, to, to resource it through staffing and make sure that we don't just build crowds, but that we're building people who are going to become leaders for the kingdom of God. That we're equipping every person to be a part of the work of ministry. And that over this next year, if we continue to take steps forward in what God's doing here in Mullaloo and redeveloping the planning to redevelop this facility to be every much that center of outreach is what we've been able to create up in Marowa to say, you know what, let's not leave that for the future. Let's continue to move towards the dreams and the things that God's called us to. You know, this is the opportunity that sits in front of us that, you know what, we, we've seen God do great things behind us. We see a vision that is right in front of us and we see where we are today and God calling us that if we will lean in over this next 12 months, that maybe we would just see him unleash some momentum that is going to make a difference for all eternity that will actually let us be a part of something that, you know what, we may or feel sometimes like we're losing a little bit of our life right now, but knowing we are actually becoming a part of something that will last forever. We're becoming a part of people's stories that will go on forever. The opportunity. We will never become a part of what God calls us to if we do not understand the opportunity that's in front of us. It's one of the reasons that we said, you know what, how we're going to get there will be if every single one of us is willing to seek God and say, you know what, God, how would you have me be a part of this? To see 100% of people who call this place home, that this is where God's calling us, he will have resourced us for that. And we're just saying, would every single person say, God, how would you have me be a part of that opportunity? It's an invitation. It's an opportunity. It's going gonna, it's gonna to require a radical step 
It will require over this next year to not just do what we're doing, but to step forward would require us raising an additional $500,000 in one year. It's about 50% of what we had given, you know, the previous year. That takes incredible faith. That takes incredible. It's the kind of thing that can make you say, ah, how is this even going to happen? But it's the opportunity God's inviting us into. And you know, one of the reasons I get so excited about this and And love these kinds of moments as a church is because of the third thing that Mordecai talks about here, about being a part of what God's doing. And it's the positioning. You know, God invites us. It's an opportunity to be a part of what he's doing, make a difference now and forever. And the amazing thing is, whenever God wants to do something, he positions people in just the right places. And Mordecai says to Esther, who knows? Who knows, but that God may not have put you in your royal position for such a time as this. That God actually, in in moments when things do look like, how could that happen or what's going to happen here? The amazing thing is God's hand is on our lives and placing us and positioning us right where he needs us for the moments that he wants to use us in amazing ways. And Esther, I mean, if you read through the book of Esther and you look at the circumstances of her life and everything that had to happen and all that had to happen in so many different directions for her to end up right there, right then, it's incredible. And you realize God's hand was on her life. God's hand was over the circumstances. God's hand was positioning people and places to bring about an incredible deliverance. Yeah, I think the the beautiful thing about positioning is that it means every one of us doesn't have to think, well, I've got to do this all on my own, or I could never do that, or I wish I could. Positioning means every one of us can say, God, where have you positioned me, and how can I play my part? That's one of the reasons we just asked every person to pray and to seek God and to say, God, how would you have me give in this season? Because if every one of us knows this is where God's positioned me, and every one of us steps into that, then I can tell you as a church, we will step into the future God has for us. And you don't have to worry about what your position is. You know, one of the things that, that we said, you know, for some of you, as you pray and, and look, and, and, and there's this whole kind of giving target and goal, for, for some of you, you'll be positioned in a place where you literally cannot give right now. In the midst of a health crisis, a financial crisis, have an unbelieving spouse, and, and to give would be to dis. There's all kinds of positions. Some people, giving will not, it literally won't be possible. And you know what? No one has, you never have to feel bad about that. And you're no less apart. But where you are, you are somewhere that only God can use you in that situation. And, every, and there will be others for whom God has, you, you would have never even thought or known you'd be here right now, but God has actually positioned you to be a part of making something impossible happen through giving in a different way than someone else is going to be able to. Every one of us, it's the beautiful thing about positioning is to know, oh, I mean, this is the beautiful thing about a church, that God has a story he's writing in each one of our lives. And God has a big story he's writing in this world. And God positions people and places and says, will you be a part of what I'm doing? That's why I love moments like this, like momentum. Because I just think what happens when every one of us 
says, God, here I am. Here's where you've positioned me. I hear the invitation. I see the opportunity. I want to respond out of where you've placed me. That's when amazing things can happen. Because God, he doesn't need us, but he invites us. You know, uh, next week, we're going to have our, our momentum all in Sunday. And we're going to bring uh, together on that day, we're going to bring these cards. And in those cards, there is a, a space to, to write our name and say, you know what? This is how God's positioned me. If you're someone who you, you and what, what we're asking of every person is, you know, and especially if you haven't yet over this next week, I think this next week could be a, 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 one of those just significant moments in the life of our church, significant week in the life of our church as, as people right across our whole church say, I'm going to seek God on this. And that's the one thing I, I'd ask every person who calls this place home to do is to say this week, as we come towards next Sunday, the 18th, Momentum Sunday, would you commit to making a commitment? Would you commit to saying, you know what, I will seek, I will ask. My initial reaction sometimes is, God, I don't know, I don't know if I can, but I will ask and I will seek. I get it's an invitation. I get there's an opportunity to be part of something that will matter forever. And I want to respond out of where God's positioned me. And our dream is that 100% of people who call this place home will bring a card with their name on it next week. Even if you're in one of those spaces where you know, no, I just, I, I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. You just put your name on it. That's all right. You know that's a part of it. All we want to see is every person say, you know, I have sought God, and I, I'm responding to where he's placed me. And when we do that, that's where momentum comes from. I believe it's what God's calling us to as a church. And so that's my invitation to you, my, my, to say, would you do that this week? Would you pray? This is what it looks like to play our part in what God is doing. To know it's an invitation to see the opportunity and to respond out of our position. And imagine what would happen as we bring those cards together. Imagine all that they represent. You know, one of the reasons I think those cards are such a big deal and, uh, and, and as you fill one out, you'll see it's, it's there to, to put your name on and to say, this is what I've sought God and, and this is what I'm going to be doing. It, it's not about, I never see like a name next to an amount or, or who gives what. That, I could not care less. But what I do care is that every one of us seeks God and takes those steps. But when you bring those, they're so significant because I just think there is something so powerful about putting your name and saying, yes, I'm a part of that. You know, last week I was on the long weekend while our state youth games team was, you know, uh, kicking butt and taking names. And, um, and on that Monday, it was a beautiful day. Does anybody remember that Monday, the long weekend? I mean, it was spectacular. And, uh, and I was spending some time with my son. He's six, Levi. And and we said, why don't we, let's go over to the beach. And, and he wanted to do one of his favorite things that we do together, and that's to build a sandcastle. And so we were down by the beach. It was in the evening. It was starting to get late. And he wanted to build a sandcastle. And, and I'm not, I don't, like, on my day off, if I'm by myself, I don't usually go build sandcastles. Like, it's not, it's not like it's my favorite thing to do. But my favorite thing to do is to spend time with my son. 
and so we're building the sandcastle, and, and I was just enjoying the beauty of it all, and, and I was like, I think it's big enough. We should get going, and, and he's like, no, no, and he draws this big circle, and he's like, we're going to make it this big. And I was like, oh, far out, really? And then he's digging, and he starts digging. He's like, look, I'll go fast. And he's digging like a, like a dog, like a puppy would, you know? When you're little, you think that's the best way to dig, you know? And he's digging, and sand is like flying into my eyes now, and I'm watching it, and I, he's like, see, see, look, it's going. And I'm like, you know, and so I was like, look, just, you know, just how about we try it like this? And so I was like, if we're ever going to get out of here, i got to start digging hard. <laughs> And so I'm grabbing these huge mounds. I'm like, let's try it like this. Let's do mounds. And I'm, I'm the, I literally was sore the next day. <laughs> like they were all sore from a weekend of sport. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm sore from building that. So I'm just digging, you know, as hard as that. I'm digging big scoops. And, and he starts doing some of those. And, and we build it. And this thing ends up huge. So we've been building this long time. And it is maybe one of the biggest we've ever done. So there's this huge sandcastle. And now we've shaped it. And he loves it. And he's like, I don't want to, uh, and I'm like, let's go. We got to go. We're going to be late for dinner. It's like the sun is now setting and we got to get, and he's like, no, I just, I love this sandcast. Just wanted to I'm like, look, how about this? Let's just write our names on it. And anybody who comes by, they'll see daddy and Levi <laughs> built this castle. And so we wrote our names on it. And he's like, no, you got to write your name. Don't write that. And so I wrote Dean, and, and we wrote our names, and we looked at this sandcastle, and it was like, oh, wow, what a sandcastle. And there it stood with both our names on it. And you know the, the thing, of, and, and then it was like, okay, now we can go. We built it forever when people walk by this beach. <laughs> they will see the sandcastle we have built. And, and, and it, it, it got me home, I will say that. And, uh, but, do you know, this is, do you know, these cards and what we give and what we do, it is us saying, you know what, I was there. I was a part of what God built in 2017. I was a part of the church that Jesus was building. You know, we were building this thing. Jesus is the one who builds his church. Do you know, I could have said to Levi in that moment, you know what, actually, Levi, I'll write my name because I did most of the heavy lifting here, you know? And I, I said that, but he argued with me, and I, I didn't say that. Not at all, you know? And that's the thing, because, like, we did this together. The whole fun of it was doing it together. The whole fun of it was being together. The whole fun of it was we did it together. It didn't matter that I did most of it and he did a tiny bit. That was not the point. The point was we did it together. And that's what moments like this are all about. That's what that card's all about. It's about putting your name and saying, Jesus was building it, but I was a part. And that's why we're saying, don't just even think, what could I give and figure it out? Go seek him on it. Spend time with him. Because you know the part he loves is the part where he gets to wrestle with you. It's the part where he gets to be in prayer with you. It's the part where he gets to meet with you and change you and, and challenge you and, and actually talk and wrestle and spend that time. That's the part he loves. He could build it all himself. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. But he's like us. If you've got kids, the fun is in doing it together. Next week, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring together these cards, and it's a way of putting our name down and saying, I've been wrestling with Jesus. He's building this church, and I'm putting my name on it. And that name, when your name goes on that card, it's not going on to some sandcastle that's blown away three days later. Your name goes on to something that's being built for all eternity, the church of Jesus Christ and what he's doing. Would you commit to making a commitment this week? 
Let's be a part of the church that Jesus is building. I want to pray for us. Would you stand where you are? I want to pray for us because I believe it's a significant moment. And I know that incredible things can happen when we spend that time seeking God and asking, how can I be a part of what you're doing? I know it's one of actually, even though risk, you know, I I think of Esther and, and I think of that moment and all the risks she saw and felt. And I don't know if I could be part of this. And then I look and I know that on the other side of that, she was going, oh my goodness, I'm so glad. Because what happened after the part of the story we saw was that Esther actually said, okay. She heard what Mordecai said, and she said, I want you guys to go fast and pray, and I want us to seek God on this, and and then I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the king. I'm going to do this. And God ends up working in an incredible way. And Esther's name is written for all time. You know, as someone who was a part of the great big story God was writing. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for our church this week that we would go, that we would seek, that we would hear, that we would be a people who find the joy, the joy there is in being a part of what God is doing, what God is building. Would you bow with me for a moment? Maybe even just want to open your hands as I just ask God's spirit to come on our church in this moment. Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are building your church. Lord, we know that you have your plans in this world and that you are more than able to do them without us. Yet you offer us this invitation, this opportunity to be a part of what you're doing. And Lord, we as a church, we want to be, we want to step into the things that you ask of us, that you're calling us to. Lord, I ask that even this week, that as we pray and wrestle with you, that God, you might lead us. You might show us the unique ways you've positioned each one of us, how we can be a part. Lord, I pray that whatever that position is for each one of us, we would find joy there. We would know that you have put us there and that we would we would play the part that only we can play in that position. Lord, we just thank you for your incredible love for us, your incredible love for this world. And we pray that we might step into the part you have for us. And we pray as a church, we would step into the part that you have for us. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. In a moment, we're going to come and take communion. And uh, this is a moment we always remember that it is never really, we know that when we even think about what, what we might give or do, it is never... It is never to earn something from God. It is never uh, because he needs it. We, we always remember everything we do is simply response to what he's done for us. We, we think about anything we could give and remember that he gave his son. He gave everything. He gave, this bread reminds us he gave his body. The cup reminds us he gave his blood so that we could be restored into relationship with God. And so this morning, I I think, uh, as we seek God in this season, it is so important we always remember it, it is always because of what he has done for us.
It is a response to what he's given for us. And so we come with joy and we come with peace because we know that for, uh, that for any challenge we may face, he has already conquered it. He has conquered the grave. He has offered us life. The king of the universe gave his son for you and for me so that we could know him and walk with him and know that we're part of a story that goes on forever because of what he's done. And so this morning, I want to invite you in a moment to come, to take the bread, to take the cup, and to take it with thanksgiving in your heart, and to take it with joy in your heart, and celebration of what he's done, and to just praise him and thank him for who he is and for all he's done. As we celebrate together, Jesus, who has bought us life. We're going to sing as we do this. And when you're ready, I invite you to come to take some of that bread, to eat the bread, thanking him for his body, to drink the cup. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Christ. If you want to gather with some people you're near or family or friends you came with, feel free to do that, to just pray and say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. And let's let this just be a, a Thanksgiving meal for all that he has done for us as we sing, as we celebrate him. When you're ready, feel free to come. Take the cup. Take the bread.